Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to Canaan STL Podcast, brought to you by Canaan Baptist Church, where we connect you to what matters most, God, people, and purpose. Well, this is Pastor Daniel, and today I'm again joined by with um, Pastor Martin Winslow. So, Martin, good to see you this morning. Thanks, Daniel. Good to be here. How are you this morning? Great. Hey, so this past Sunday was Children's Sunday at church, and uh, did a, it was great to see the kiddos sing, and and then you yeah. talked about Daniel 5 and the the... The infamous writing on the wall. Yeah, yeah. Weird passage. Yeah, but but fascinating all the same. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So, you know, so you, you made the points on Sunday, you know, you looked at the wickedness of Belshazzar kind of worshiping himself and trying to take credit for all these things that even though he had known that Nebuchadnezzar, which was most likely his grandfather, um, had, you know, been humbled by God and to, re- to be shown that God is the one who gives power to kings, etc. But even though he had seen, witnessed all that, knew about that, he still tried to claim credit for himself. So it was pretty wicked. So you covered that. Then you covered the warning. So it talks about this this hand, this writing on the wall. It's, it's so fascinating. Yeah, the, the writing on the wall was actually just four Aramaic words. And there's a lot of debate about what that looked like. You know, because when you see it, and I looked at lots of commentators, when you see it, it looks just like Aramaic scratches on the wall. And basically what it says is, it says, many, many, tekel, parson, mm-hmm. right? Mina, mina. Um, and then tekel rhymes with shekel and then parson. And it literally means, do you know what it literally means? Yeah, it means you've been weighed in the balances and found wanting. So basically, the writing on the wall is Aramaic, and it's mene, mene, tekel, parson. And mene just means God has numbered the days of your reign and brought it to an end. This is this is the interpretation, though. Mm-hmm. Like, there's just four words there. And so what Daniel does is he takes the four words that probably everybody could see, and he, he actually parses out the meaning gotcha. of those yep. four words. And so... Um, he adds. So it probably literally means like weighed, weighed, balance, wanting. That's it. Or something like that, that's, right? That's exactly what it says. So, so what does that mean? Right. And so Daniel fleshes that out. You got it. Yeah. So everybody would have probably seen those words, weighed, weighed, balanced, wanting, or, you know, but what he does is he parses it all out. So God's numbered the days of your reign, brought it to an end. You've been weighed on the scales, found wanting. Your kingdom is divided and given to the Medes and the Persians. So that's basically what it means. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not that people couldn't see it. Hmm. Um, it's that people couldn't understand it. Yeah. And that was the problem. And so yeah. Daniel gives understanding. Yeah. You know. Yeah. You know, it's such a powerful message. And here's what's interesting to me is that so Belshazzar hears that message, right? Mm-hmm. He hears that his kingdom is over. Why would he then still reward Daniel like he did? I mean, it seemed like at that point it didn't matter, you know? Yeah, and what's interesting is Daniel didn't even want it to begin with. He didn't. So right? you keep your gifts. He said keep them Love or give that. them to somebody else. Yeah. But he went ahead and did it. I, I guess it was probably an honor-shame thing. Like I said I was going to do these things, and mm-hmm. so I'm going to follow through. That's good word. Probably. You know, the interesting thing is, though, when Daniel parses out what it all means, um, and he talks about, you know, you knew your – grandfather Nebuchadnezzar had been humbled and you saw all these things. Yeah. Okay. Um, and you still didn't repent. What what's interesting is we don't see the reaction in Belshazzar that we saw in Nebuchadnezzar. That's right. right? Yeah. So he does award Daniel 
for the interpretation, just like he said he would, but there's no humility. Yeah. And in that night, um, his life is, is taken from him. Yeah. And, and interestingly enough, one of the commentators pointed to that there was a, a guard that worked for Belshazzar in his army and that Belshazzar had double-crossed this guard in the past. Hmm. And this, like he was an elite, like almost like a Praetorian guard. He was, he was with Belshazzar and he double-crossed this guard and he killed one of his family members. Okay, and and this guard had no recourse against Belshazzar, so he flees from Babylon and he joins the Persian army, and he's actually one of the first people to come in through the Euphrates mm. up the ladder and get this carried a knife in, and they say the historical records say that this guard is the one who killed Belshazzar. That wow, day. that's fascinating. Yeah, in a rage for what he had done to him yep. in the past. Yeah. You reap what you sow. Yeah, and you know, that's the cool thing that the job we get to have, right? When you preach the Word, you get to do all this historical research. And of course, you can't bring all those things out on a Sunday yeah, morning. Yeah, right. You don't have enough time. Irrelevant. Yeah. But there's so many neat things, and there's so many fascinating things in history that actually mm-hmm. prove the details of the Bible. That's right. That are outside of the historical record we have in the Bible that yep. corroborate all the truths. Yep. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it was, it's great. It's a great passage, great message. You know, you talked about the warning. You also talked about the wisdom that Daniel gives. Um, and then you have the, the wipeout, of course, which is Bel- Belshazzar being assassinated, losing the kingdom, and a whole new kingdom comes in. It just, you know, it just shows how everything seems in our life so secure, but really things are so fragile. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. You know, t- today we're recording. It's the day after um, a horrific event happening down in Texas, Nuvaldi, Texas, with um, just an 18-year-old going into an elementary school and going into a classroom and opening fire. And at, at this at this point, there are 21 dead. Uh, I think it's 19 students, two teachers. There's still two stu- uh, two students missing. Just a horrific, demonic event. And just, again... I mean, every one of those kids, you know, they just they got they got up yesterday and just went to school like it was a normal day, about to be out for the summer. Um, no one had that on their horizon, you know. Yeah, you know, you can imagine those families just, you know, you you think about all those kids getting ready to rush off to school in this classroom, and you know, and the parents now are reflecting back, gosh, I. You know, I wish they'd have been sick that day or they could have been at home or what were my last words to them and all this. Everything, like you said, seems so secure. And in just a moment, Mm. everything, your world gets rocked and turned upside down. That's right. Um, That's right. And it's tragedy, you know, Um, just like in Babylon. Yeah. Things, one day, everything's safe and secure. The next day, it's all over. It's over. It's over. Absolutely. New new king in town, new new empire overnight. Yeah. Overnight. You know, it just shows the fragility and that truly our only security is in Christ. Yeah. And in Christ alone. You know, so it's just uh it's a sobering wake up call, you know. It really is. You know, and that should help us navigate our life. You know, we how much time how much time do we spend trying to build up a sense of security through Financial means, work means, you know, relationship means, you know, we, but there's just no genuine long lasting security there because it's fragile. Yeah. You know, and I talked a little bit about that Sunday, just like 
every even little ache and pain in your body is kind of a reminder that your your kingdom's numbered, right? Your yep. days are numbered. That's right. And man, if you could just get people to see that. Mm. Um, and a lot of times what we try to do, right, is to get the right face creams and lotions and massage and uh, workout plans, whatever, to make all those little aches and pains go away. But mm-hmm. in reality, that's just kind of veiling what the inevitable is. Yeah, and, that's right. And so the important thing, like you said, is to is to be ready for that next step. And honestly, it could come at any moment. It doesn't matter if you're old or not, just like those kids in Texas. Absolutely. Right? It just ends. Absolutely. And yeah. so it's, it's kind of... It's kind of sad. Mm-hmm. What's interesting is Daniel's demeanor, right? Keep all this stuff for yourself, and you can just tell he he served a different kingdom. That's exactly right. He wasn't shook up. Yep, he was not, and he was. It shows he wasn't pursuing any kind of security in earthly things. Right, the security right. was steadfast in God. We'll see that this coming Sunday as we get to Daniel six, the whole Daniel and the lion's den story. You know, his kind of the first story with him and Darius. This Darius to me that you know defeated Belshazzar, and yeah. um, we see this whole interaction. And again, you're going to see Daniel's confidence. In no one but God and God alone. It's really a powerful book. Yeah, can you imagine in your 80s and they're like, you know what? We're going to put you in lines. It's like, man, I made it finally. <laughs> I know, <laughs> it's like, right? Nope. <laughs> yeah. But he, he shows, according to the biblical record, there's yeah. no panic, Mm-mm. there's no fear, Mm-mm. there's no alarm. He's not, he doesn't beg for yeah. reprieve. He doesn't ask for reprieve. He doesn't complain. He doesn't say, but King, I've served you faithfully. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm your, I'm your, I'm your number two guy, you know, cause that's mm-hmm. kind of the rank of things. He's, he's, there's, there's the King. Then there's three officials or presidents or chiefs, kind of what the Hebrew word there is. And there are those guys that are 120 princes or satraps, satraps. How do you say that word? Right. Yeah. And that's the kind of this hierarchical order of the kingdom. Daniel's number two guy. Wow. And, but he doesn't complain. He says, all right. He gets tossed. He gets tossed. Just no like, panic. You know? Yeah, he's not living for this world, man. That's right. Like he's just that's, the, that's the whole thing about it. Yeah. And we get so lost in that. We're not living for this world. You know, Our, our highest passion should have nothing to do with yeah. who the president of the United States is. Yeah. Our highest passion should have nothing to do with political parties or yeah. sports heroes or uh, 401ks or yeah. career paths. Our highest yeah. party is the eternal kingdom. That's right. You know? And you know, we can get mixed up with that. So last night we took uh, boss yeah. to a Cardinals game. All right. And he'd never been to, you know, anything like that <laughs> in his life. And I'm trying to explain to him, you know, what's going on out there. Cause yeah. he just, so he didn't know anything about baseball. Not a thing. <laughs> like he didn't understand what the top of the first was and the bottom. Like I explained right. it all right. <clears throat> anyway. So he says to me, he says, do these guys make, you know, good money? And I said, well, I said, every guy that you see out there, yeah, we would consider even Americans would consider they're they're rich. Yeah, absolutely, right? millionaires. And so one guy comes up to the plate, and I just looked him up. I didn't even know who he was, you know, George somebody for the Blue Jays. So I'm just doing the math, and I said, okay, this guy for this game, just this game, he makes one hundred and twenty three thousand dollars. Wow! I did his yearly salary and just divided by one sixty two. You know. And boss was just blown away. Absolutely. You know? that of is, course, I'm blown away. Absolutely. You know, I said the guy could go 0 for 4 tonight, not get one hit. He yep. could make an error in the field, and he still gets paid 123000 bucks tonight. Amazing. And so. And, that, and that's just a, I mean, I don't, I, I really am not up to speed on the current 
stars of, of baseball like I used to be. But I mean, to me, that's that's not a common name. I haven't yeah. heard that name. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it's not like a you know. Yeah, I didn't know who he was. Trout or something like that that and you hear about all the time. Yeah, he's making twenty mil this year. And then I I found like a guy who was like a you know first year second year guy is making four million and I'm like hey he's still making this much per game and you know just blew him away yeah and uh, blew me away too but all of that to say those things what we can do I mean it's just natural as a human being is begin to put our trust in those things well this yep. is going to insulate me it's going to provide it's, absolutely it's going to do all my providing and at the end of the day I mean what happens in certain countries or let's say you're in Babylon the night it falls is you might as well just use that stuff for toilet paper that money that's right or you might as well just set it on fire to keep warm because it won't mean anything. That's exactly right. And when nations fall, and every nation does fall, that's exactly what happens. Hmm. So, yeah, think about like Max Scherzer, right? $43 million he's going to make with the Mets this year. I mean, what's what's the division on that per game? Yeah, that's so crazy. a pitcher's going to pitch probably. He might pitch. He might start what one 40 every games? one every six or seven games. Yeah, let's I mean, say he starts. Depends on what the rotation is. Let's say he started forty games this year. Yeah. So what's that? Wow. A, mil- a million a game. A million a game. More than a million. To that's pitch crazy. One game. And you know <laughs> he can only be out there one or two innings and get hit. You know, and, and they Absolutely. pull him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or just start off bad, you know, have a bad night. He ate some bad pizza, get up, pitch first inning, and he gets rocked. He still wow. made a million bucks that day. That's crazy. Yeah. I just want one day salary. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 I'll go pitch one game for him. Just one game. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But you know what? Um, just the, the fallacy of that whole line of thinking, mm. you know, just like you said, it's like the old kind of tongue-in-cheek joke at funerals. You know, you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. Yeah. We don't take any of that with us. Yeah. None of what we do take with us are those we poured into through the gospel, those yeah. that we have made, those things we have done for the kingdom. That's what lasts forever. Yeah. You know, that's what lasts forever. And I think that's why it's just so important for us as Christians. And and God gives faith to each each believer, right? And he gives different gifts within the body, but all of us should just have the gift of generosity because those things don't last. And so it's important for us to be giving people because we received grace that was in the gospel. And Jesus talks about, you know, through Peter, the Holy Spirit, first mm-hmm. Peter, he talks about an inheritance that's been placed and set aside for us yeah. that will never, ever fade away. That's right. And so it's important that we put our our trust in, in what God's provided yeah. in the gospel, but also that provision later. Yeah. Jesus says, you know, no one has given up a farm or right. a house yep. uh, for me that won't be paid back. That's you right. Know? And I think that's important to remember. That's huge. You know, as we talk about the gospel, and then let's connect back as we close out here, back to the Texas school shooting. Mm. You know, how do we to process that as Christians? How do we process that from a biblical worldview? You know, because... You're going to hear a lot of things are coming out of this. You're going to hear, you know, cries for more gun reform. And, you know, you're going to hear cries for better um, security procedures and protocols at schools. And, you know, all that, all that should be discussed. Absolutely. But here's the thing. You can have the best policies on the planet and evil people are still going to do evil things. That's right. You know, and, and you could have the best policies in the world out of this, but it's not going to put those kids back in their chairs. It's not going to put those parents back into a, at the dinner table with their kids. It's not going to put those teachers back in those yeah. classrooms. That's right. It's, it's, not, it's not redemptive. Mm. The gospel is. Yeah. You know, the gospel 
will guarantee those kids live. You know, the gospel guarantees those teachers live. The gospel is what truly heals, what truly gives hope. Mm. Nothing else does. That's right. Nothing else does. Because nothing else talks about life beyond what happened in Uvalde, Texas. Well, and like like you're saying, you know, you're gonna you're gonna hear from commentators and talking heads, and they're gonna be asking this question: Why? Why did he do this? Why? 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 Yep. And 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 if you don't start with a biblical worldview, you'll never figure out that. That's question. exactly right. But the church, we know the yep. Word of God says the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Yeah, Jeremiah. That's it right. is only unless, like you said, the gospel brings life to people. People mm. are dead. They're walking zombies. And so yeah. my question is, why don't they do it more? Why isn't the world in worse chaos? Yeah, that's exactly it's right. It's because of the common grace of God. That's like, right. We we see this stuff happening a lot, but like it should, to you know, look at the days of Noah. And I think we're, you know, we're heading that way. There's a lot of bad stuff going on. And yep. so only the cure is in the gospel. Yeah. You know, and, and last night, uh, of course, I teach Old Testament at uh, Missouri Baptist University. We were talking in the book of Judges last night. Of course, you have that common refrain. Yeah. In that days, Israel had no king and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. There There's no absolute moral law. There's no absolute objective truth. Yeah. And when that's not the case, when you take the biblical worldview out, you don't have that objective moral law. It's relative. Yeah. And when it's relative, hey, what may be right for me is not right for you, et cetera. And so you just have – it spins out of control. And that's where we are. That's where we're going. Um, and, you know, that's, that's a, that is a great point because what we see in our culture today is the question is being asked, how do you feel about it? Yes. And so if, if the starting point is the human heart, man, everything that comes out of there is everybody does what's right in their own eyes, and, and it makes society spin into chaos. That's right. Because man does not do the right things. An emotive society is an explosive society. There you go. Yeah. And that's where we are. And then you've got a group of people over here who says, no, wait, there's an objective standard, and they become the villains. Yeah. That's right. That's right. A lot of heavy things to ponder and think about. If you have any thoughts or insights, just share them with us at info at canaanstl.org. Thanks for joining us today on Canaan STL Podcast, and we'll see you next time. God bless. God bless.